0: Good morning. Welcome to Thrive City. Uh, people always say never start your message by talking about the weather, but I think this morning I'm I'm going to make an exception. I I am a hoodie person. Like fall weather, early winter is my jam. Layer me up like an onion. And so when I woke up today, I had like my hoodie and my jacket ready, and then I walked outside and went, mm. Nope, going to sweat it out the rest of the day. So. Beautiful weather, beautiful day to be in church. I truly do believe that God has something special in store for us today. I don't know about you, but I believe that when the people of God gather together in the presence of God, incredible things can happen. And I believe that we worship a God who who not just knows of you, he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants the best for your life. And so while we want our our worship and our attention fully devoted at God, uh, make no mistake, our our primary focus is on him, like we've been talking about and singing about. The more that we learn about who God is, the more that we begin to fully understand who he has created us to be. And so what I'm trying to say is is there is this connection between our, our vertical and our personal relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with one another. And so the reason why we are working through a series of messages called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is because we we simply cannot afford to live a life of constant burnout and breakdowns and busyness while also expecting to live a fulfilling life of blessing that Jesus promised. In Matthew chapter 11, we We explored this the first week together. Jesus proclaimed, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From this passage, we began to explore some different spiritual practices that we can develop as followers of Jesus, not just gaining head knowledge from the teachings of Jesus, but also learning from his life, exploring that Jesus does, in fact, have a better way of living. We talked about spiritual practices like silence and solitude. My two-year-old baby boy does not know anything about silence or solitude. (laughs) We talked about observing the Sabbath, where we cease striving and we, we commit ourselves to resting in the goodness of God, not just resting in him, but resisting the busyness of life. And today, I want to tackle this issue of, of hurriedness and busyness and all of that from a different perspective. So you see, there, there are two things that you and I will eventually run out of, time and money. Now, some of that we might run out of uh, sooner than the other. But those are two things that we cannot take with us when we die. So we have to make decisions now how we spend those things, how we wisely invest them while we still have them. So see, silence and solitude, observing the Sabbath, those are primarily focused on how we spend our time. Well, this morning I want to talk about simplicity and, and honestly the way that we spend our money, our possessions, the things that we have, the things that we own. The author John Mark Comer describes simplicity in this way. Simplicity, also called minimalism, is a way of life where we intentionally prioritize the things that really matter by cutting out all that is ancillary and stripping our life down to making abiding the center of everything. It is a life of focus in a cultural moment of distraction. This is another way of saying simplicity is, is less clothes, less stuff, less things that we don't need, less hobbies, less options, more prayer, more joy, more peace, more loving relationships. And While some people judge simplicity or minimalism as some kind of new level of legalism, it's really a form of freedom. Since simplicity is is a lifestyle, it affects how we live at every level, not just the number of things that we have in our closet at home, but what we do with our activities, our schedule, our budget, and how we spend our time. So I I hope you hear me. That that simplicity that we're going to talk about and learn from, from Scripture, is a lot more than just about money. I know some of you are thinking, like, great, I came to church to hear another talk about money. No, that's, that's not what it is at all. Simplicity is a, huge, is, is a huge part. Like Money plays a huge part in what simplicity is, but it involves so much more than that. Within Scripture, within the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly talked about money, and, and I'm not going to go extremely in-depth into all the different things that Jesus has to say about it. It is safe to summarize the teachings of Jesus in this way that there is nothing wrong with owning things, with having possessions. There's a certain amount of necessity in that as long as your things don't own you. Your purpose is not found in your possessions. Your life should be focused on caring for the kingdom. I'm going to rapid fire read just a couple different uh, verses and I think I have them listed out in probably the smallest font. Okay, it's not that small. In some small font, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Later on, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. In the Gospel of Matthew, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, but what you will put on is not life more than Food and the body more than clothing in the Gospel of Mark. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Again in Matthew, again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. First Timothy, as for the rich of this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. There to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, that they may take hold of that which is truly life. In the book of Acts, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Over and over and over again, Jesus teaches us to be wise with what we have. We have to make the distinction that Jesus doesn't necessarily give us black and white rules. You can own this, you cannot own this. It's okay to hold on to this, but you have to give this away. Jesus instead gives us overall principles that we are to apply and use in our lives. So this morning, I want us to specifically focus on a passage found in Matthew chapter 6 that takes place in the midst of the famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, if you do not have a Bible, I would love to give you one to use and to keep. If you want a Bible to keep, just raise your hand, we will get you one. But Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to be reading from verse 19 through verse 25. Again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye, of the, lam- the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. For no one can serve two masters. For either, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And if you're looking at this in your Bible, there's probably a paragraph break here, maybe a new title, but I also want to include verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Jesus, this morning, we put our full trust in you. We boldly ask that you would radically change our understanding of success, of prosperity, of contentment. Jesus, we ask that you would rearrange our priorities, that we would put you first and foremost. May we loosen our grip on the things that don't really matter. Help us to change our perspective that that we are able to store up treasures in heaven, investing in eternity. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do what only you could do. That you would work within our hearts, that you would change us, that you would convict us, that you would lead us towards repentance. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to get back to the scripture passage in a moment, but first I want to tell you a quick story. For as long as I can remember, I have had what we would call a a love-hate relationship with money. Now, growing up, I I wasn't necessarily a part of a a family of of means. My mom and my dad, they, they worked really hard to provide for my brother and I, so we never went without basic necessities. But there were times where it kind of felt close, right? I remember being an angsty teenager. I remember being upset at my mom. Some of you can relate to this. Maybe that's what you feel like right now. But I was was upset at my mom that I wasn't able to buy the clothes that I wanted, that I needed to have. Guys, I don't know if you remember, you weren't cool unless the pant leg covered your entire shoe. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, we swung hard the other way. Now it's like if it's not constricting the blood flow in your leg... I know we're back to baggy jeans. I can't do it. I can't go back to the baggy. I don't know. It's just not in me. But I remember being upset. Mom, I I want to buy this, but we can't, right? We primarily shopped at the marts, Walmart, Kmart, Ames. Anybody remember? I wanted nothing more than to shop at a department store. It was literally a dream of mine to go to the mall and buy something from one of those stores. And since we didn't necessarily have a lot growing up, I grew up having a hard time getting rid of what I had, even if I didn't need it. Have you ever gone on a cleaning spree? Maybe you're cleaning out a closet only to get sidetracked by a box of old stuff that you forgot about, that all of a sudden you rationalize that instead of getting rid of it, right, it's been stuck in your closet, you haven't looked at it or thought about it. In years, all of a sudden, I need to have this. I cannot get rid of this. Growing up, I, I moved a bunch, and I remember that every single time we moved, I would come across the same few boxes, thinking, well, I haven't touched that since the last time we moved, but this time, I will unpack it. No, I never did. You see, coming from a place of, of not much means, dare I say poverty, poverty, I thought that prosperity was displayed through the level of possessions that I was able to accumulate. That success was found in the level of stuff that I could pack my house with. This is a mentality that so many of us share, that the more that I have, the happier I will be. Now, maybe we never say it out loud. Maybe we never vocalize that desire, but it's something that we feel. I can't be the only one in the room that has felt this way and it doesn't matter where you fall on the socioeconomic spectrum how much money you have in your 401k or tucked under your mattress it doesn't matter how old you are or young you are you have likely made a mental connection between stuff and success between happiness and having things not going to lie that buy now button on amazon is dangerous Really, whether we know it or not, each and every day, you and I are bombarded by advertising that tries to tell us what stuff you need to be happy. If only you had this to feel happy, to be fulfilled, to be accepted, to be content for your life, to be at peace. How, how many advertisements that we see, those products are displayed by people just being at rest, being at peace, being on the beach, it's here that we see the greed that we feel and the gospel that we read stand in stark contrast. Jesus clearly says over and over in Scripture that success is not about stuff, that prosperity is not about possessions, that contentment is only found in Christ. So what if, what if, hear me out, what if what Jesus said is actually true? What if... We cannot serve two masters. No, Jesus says in this passage that we cannot. No one can serve two masters. He does not make a general recommendation that perhaps it's not the the best life practice to serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. Before we go any further, I'm not going to go all Dave Ramsey on you and tell you to rip up your credit cards or to take things to the extreme and take a vow of poverty and move into the mountains, which sounds nice. However, I want us to be open this morning as we explore scripture to see how divided our devotion really has become. Because we talk about unhurrying our lives, slowing down, getting rid of the clutter in our minds, being able to focus on the things that really matter. It's not just about our time. It's also about our treasures. Back into the body of this message, or into the passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen, just to read it again. Jesus says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in, or, uh, treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal." Verse twenty-one: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, has anybody ever made the mistake of putting something valuable in your basement where all of a sudden a leak popped up and destroyed all your stuff? This unfortunately happened to me when my brother and I, uh, we rented a house and it had a nice basement and it looked like it was going to be fine and dry and we ended up putting something in there something with a lot of sentimental value that we had inherited from our grandfather, we put it down there, this will be a safe space. And then the next time that we went down, we realized that at some point along the way, a leak had sprung up and it just saturated everything that we had put in the basement. And this thing was made out of wood and it just sucked up all this water and destroyed it. We made the mistake of of putting something valuable in a place that was easily, easily corrupted. And here Jesus is saying like, hey, don't, don't lay up or, or kind of like stack and accumulate and hoard things here on earth where ultimately it's going to be destroyed. It's not going to last. No matter where you invest it, no matter where you put it, it's not going to last. But lay up, invest in, stack up valuable treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. And verse 21 For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus is saying, look, your mindset matters. What are you working towards? What are you motivated by? Are you motivated by more and more money? Or are you motivated by things that will last, by the things of God? Continues on in verse 22 where Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. For if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus here is using an analogy or an illustration that they would likely understand. He's, he's talking about the eye being the entrance into the body, into the soul. It's kind of like if we were to say something about our heart, you know, how, the, how the heart is like the entrance into our being and into our soul. Jesus is saying, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is gonna be full of light. Anybody have a stigmatism? right? And you're driving late at night and you can see those lines. I, I thought everybody saw that way, right? I would squint just a little bit and kind of like make the lines dance back and forth. Jesus here is saying like, hey, your heart you can have astigmatism. You can have spiritual astigmatism. I don't know why I decided to say that word like five times in a row. Rubber baby bucky bumper. Astigmatism. <laughs> it can cloud your vision. Verse 23, if your eye is bad, if you have the wrong focus, if you're consumed by the wrong things, your whole body will be full of darkness See, what your eye is focused on has a lot to do with what's happening inside of your heart. So focus on what truly matters. Jesus continues by saying, no one can serve two masters. For he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then verse 25, Jesus connects the two, worry and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on is not life, more than food in the body, more than clothing. Right? We are not the first people to be worried about our bank account. There's a great quote about this passage that a pastor wrote, said, Their orders, these these two masters, are diametrically opposed. The one commands you to walk by faith, the other to walk by sight. The one to be humble and the other to be proud. The one to set your affections on things above, the other to set them on things that are on earth. The one to look at the things unseen and eternal, the other to look at things that are seen and temporal. The one to have your conversation in heaven, the other to cleave to the dust. The one to be careful for nothing, the other to be all anxiety. The one to be content with things that you have, the other to enlarge your desires. The one to be ready to distribute, the other ready to withhold. The one to look at things of others, the other to look only at one's own things. The one to seek happiness in the creator, the other to seek happiness in the creature. Is it not plain that there is no serving to such masters? If you love one, you must hate the other. If you cleave to one, you must despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. so the heart of what we're trying to get at today as we talk about simplicity, we're going to have some clear action steps in just a moment. We need to understand the distinction between money and the love of money. Because money is something that we need. All of us need to eat. We need shelter. We need clothes on our bodies. Like money is just a necessity. But what Jesus is saying is it is the, the love of money. When we become so consumed and focused believing that our purpose is in those possessions, that our safety, our security is all found in the stuff that we have. That is when things begin to go wrong. Because all of a sudden, our dedication, our devotion, the literal focus of our lives is adding more zeros to our bank account instead of investing in what really matters. Right? How many of you are workaholics? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. You're probably like, when are we going to be done so that I can get back to what I need to do? Those of us, I'm one of them, those of us that struggle peeling ourselves away from work, oftentimes it goes back to the same mentality. I need to work harder, I need to achieve, I need to provide, and all of a sudden I realize that I missed out on all the things that matter the most. So you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and money. So what does this look like in our lives? If we're not going to just give things away, right? We're not going to sell all of our possessions. That's not what we're talking about. How do we seek simplicity? First of all, clear the clutter. Clear the clutter. The clutter, here are just some like really practical action steps that maybe we can do this week to help begin to transition our mindset to a mindset of simplicity where we're focusing on God more than our love for things. Clear the clutter. What do I already have that I can give away? So as we just to be clear, as we're talking about clearing the clutter, this is a focus on what we already have. And last time I looked in my attic, I have way too much stuff, right? What do I already have that I can just give away? That could be old clothes that maybe you don't wear anymore. It could be that one kitchen appliance that like takes up way too much space on your counter that you don't really use anymore. I remember growing up, it was the Ronco food dehydrator. Anybody you can make fruit leather. It was the best. We thought it was going to transform our life. You know what it did? It transformed the amount of cabinet space we had. That thing was a beast. What do you already have that you can give away? What can I share? What are the things that I own that I could loan? Maybe I have something that you need that maybe you can hold on to for a while while it serves its purpose, and then maybe you can give it back. I can give it to somebody else. What do I have I can give away? What can I share? What can I loan out? How can I begin to appreciate the simple pleasures of life and clear the clutter from my mind? If there's one thing that I know, it is sunsets are free. Beautiful walks in nature are free. When we begin to clear the clutter in our minds and devote ourselves to what matters the most, we develop an appreciation for the simple pleasures. Late night conversations with good friends, running around the playground with our kids, hiking to the top of a beautiful lookout, those are things that money could never buy. That you can't have a one-click purchase on Amazon for more quality time with your kids. You can't find a coupon for a better relationship with your spouse, right? So clearing the clutter, getting rid of those things that, that are just clogging our attention and our mindsets. So next, seek simplicity. Now, this is our mindset as we continue to, like, use our money. Before we buy something, ask yourself, what is the true cost of this item? The true cost, not just the price on the price tag, but what are the true ramifications of owning this item? I'm going to use myself for an example in a purchase that I made a couple years ago. Um, I love to ride uh, motorcycles. I actually got a chance to ride it this morning, and it was awesome. And it had a a price, and I was like, okay, uh, we did our, our budget. I think this is something that we can afford. It's a it's a, an activity that provides me with like a lot of life. I, I love it. It's my quiet place. But I have come to find out that there's a lot more cost than just what is on the price tag. It co- It it takes a lot of time. I have to like. N- you know, I can't fit a car seat on a motorcycle, so I have to be really strategic about the time that I use to enjoy this motorcycle. If something breaks down, that is a cost. The oil changes. There's so many things, both with, the, with my time and my treasure, that, that goes into owning this motorcycle that is much more than what was on the price sticker. So as you go to buy something, ask yourself, what is the true cost? It's not just the money, but it's the time. It's the different things. Also, buy fewer, better things. Buy fewer, but better things. Again, I'm going to put myself on blast. I love fast fashion. I love going to the mall and buying a t-shirt for $3.99. But what happens is I wear it two, three times and all of a sudden it has a giant rip in it and I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter. I only paid $3.99 for it. But what happens is I end up buying that same shirt for $3.99 three or four times or even more and spending more than if I just bought a quality shirt to begin with. I know this is a silly example, but if we buy less but more quality items, they will last longer and ultimately simplify our lives. Also, as we seek simplicity, it is so important, church, to live on a budget. I'm not going to get up all in your business and tell you how to do it. All I'm trying to say is it's so important for us to live within our means, to just simply be a good steward of what God has given us. That's really all it is. I'm not saying you got to pull up an Excel spreadsheet or be like a master whiz in finances, but simply be wise with what God has have, God has given you. Live by a budget. Lastly, as we clear the clutter, as we seek simplicity, we have to invest in eternity. So whether it is your time, your talents, or your treasures, what are ways that we can spend them wisely in ways that matter the most? So begin to just examine the things that you're spending your time and your money on. Is this something that that, that will just not matter in a week, in a month, in a year. How can I invest myself into the relationships and the friendships around me? How can I invest more into my marriage? How can I invest more into being a better boss or an employee? How can I invest more in my relationship with my kids or, or my grandkids or whatever it is? How can I invest more into my relationship with God? All these different things that money cannot buy, that Amazon will not deliver in two days. What are the ways in which you can invest in eternity? Again, we work with limited resources, time and money. And it's only only a matter of time before we run out of both. So this morning, we challenge ourselves, not just personally, but corporately as a church, to focus on what really matters, to simplify our lives. We are a new church, right? We're like less than a year old. Our first birthday is coming up, and we are going to party. It is going to be great. January 15th, if you want to put that on your calendar now. Not going to be this warm. I hate to break it to you. But we are a young church, and oftentimes as a young church, it's a little easier to be, to be nimble with, our, with our, our ministries and our resources, and we're not like steering this old big ship that's been around for a long time. But let me tell you, really, really quickly, church can just be consumed with busyness and ministries, which, which are great, but it dilutes our focus. And so even as a church, we want to be clear, we want to be simple in what we're focused on what we're devoting our time, our talent, and our treasure to as a church, as a church family. Please do not leave this place without understanding the true cost of contentment. That you will never be content by the amount of money that you have, or even if your life becomes very, very simplified and streamlined, that is not what brings contentment. The only source of strength and contentment is found in Christ alone. So, this morning, I urge you if you have never, if you have never had an opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, why not now? Why not now? Lay everything else down. You can just have an honest conversation with God, even right now in this moment, and just say, Jesus, I'm so sick of stuff. I'm so sick of how, li- how crowded my life has become. I've become so focused on all the wrong things. Jesus, I-, I can see clearly now that it is you. It is you alone that brings strength and security and contentment. It is only found in you, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, lead me towards the best plans that you have for my life. God, I thank you. So, as the worship team comes back up, we're just going to close in in one last song. Together, I, I want us to examine our lives. Don't think about the person sitting next to you, don't think about your spouse, right? Think about yourself. What you have been focused on, what has been consuming you? What are the ways in which you can clear the clutter from your life? What are the ways in which you can seek simplicity? And what are the ways that you can begin to invest into eternity, into the things that really matter? What are the ways, like Jesus says, that you can store up for yourself treasures in heaven? Have you been serving God, have you been loving God, or have you been serving money and loving money? Have you been driven by that desire for more? Have you been passionate about more possessions, or are you passionate about entering into the presence of God, living a life of obedience and abundance? Would you stand as I, can I pray for you as we close our time together in worship? Jesus, we wanna be a people that is focused on what truly matters. We're so sick and tired of being sick and tired and being burnt out and overburdened by the busyness of life. So Jesus, right now, strip that all away. Holy Spirit, do a work within our hearts. Reset our priorities and our perspective work. All that we can see is you. So that everything that we do when we leave this place is a way to invest into eternity, into the things that really matter, into the relationships that we have, that we can be a people that that live different lives than when we came in. We thank you and we praise you, Jesus. Do a work in this place. All God's people said, amen.